Hello and welcome to the EcoSend podcast, a weekly podcast on becoming a climate conscious business. Every week, we'll be interviewing founders, marketers, and leaders who are championing the climate. The podcast is hosted by myself, James Gill, co-founder and CEO of GoSquared and the makers of EcoSend. If you run a business or are responsible for growing one, and you want to have a positive impact on the environment, then listen on. Every episode, our goal is for you to learn something and be inspired to take some action. Every single one of us making small changes and some large changes will add up. We're all in this together. So let's get on with the show. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's meet today's guest. Hi there, welcome to another episode of the EcoSend podcast. The EcoSend podcast is a podcast that goes out every week with myself talking to other very inspiring and often very entertaining other people who know lots more about the world of sustainability and climate. And every week we're trying to learn as much as possible from our guests. And we've already done series one. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to some of those. We're now well into series two. And hopefully from this episode, you'll be entertained, you'll be inspired and maybe educated as well on a topic of interest. So every episode's about 30 minutes. Hopefully you'll enjoy this one as much as as much as the others. Um, and this week, I am very fortunate to be joined by the wonderful Chris Butterworth, who is founder of a company called Align. Chris is a strategist, he's a designer, he's a developer, and he's building digital solutions to measure and reduce digital carbon emissions. Now, I don't think there could be a more appropriate person to be speaking to, because this is a field we are incredibly fascinated and passionate about on EcoSend as well. And I'm so excited to be speaking with you, Chris. Hello, how's your day going? Hi there. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty busy day today. Awesome. I, I know for anyone listening, they won't be able to see all of the guitars the <laughs> no they won't be able to see the, the beautiful artwork on my walls which is my collection of guitars and r2d2 <laughs> as well <laughs> that is an it's an empty cookie jar in the shape of r2d2 <laughs> I, it wasn't it I, wasn't empty this morning <laughs> no it's always empty because i know that if i were to fill it it wouldn't stay filled for long so yeah it's, <laughs> it's an I'm, ornament right now yeah <laughs> Chris, you're an incredibly talented individual being uh, all of the things I just mentioned, designer, developer, strategist, not only interested in the web technologies, but also climate and sustainability. And you can yeah. play, I've forgotten how many instruments, but at least three, <laughs> I think it was, and can sing. So while I would love this to, to descend into a musical podcast where you give us some tunes, I'm very keen to hear why someone who has all of those skills and can do all of those amazing things how have you gotten into the world of sustainability and particularly digital sustainability? It's a bit of an odd thing. So like, I always thought that my climate impact was quite low. You know, I, I've been a massive advocate for using public transport and wherever possible, I love walking and everything like that. So then working with the digital agencies and creative agencies, I thought, is there something more that I could do? And then I think it was around four years ago, I came across a paper by Greenpeace that spoke about the impact of the internet and how bad the whole IT industry is and how high the emissions are. And that was quite eye-opening. And then because of the skills that I had as 
a designer developer strategist type person i thought i can do something about it there's something that i can do to help lower lower emissions whether it's from the work that i produce or whether it's helping teams lower theirs so then as soon as that happened i started working with an agency based in london who specialize in low impact wordpress websites worked with them for a little while and kind of felt as great as it was to be able to lower that impact after working with some more creative agencies i felt like i wanted to get back to that creativity so i started my own little studio with a colleague of mine and we started doing some really creative work i think we produced the more sustainable photography website ever because oh, wow. it's literally yeah i mean we, you know you, you look at a lot of websites nowadays and they're literally like two and a half three megabytes in size sometimes even bigger photography websites tend to be the worst because obviously they are huge amount of imagery and we managed to make one that was literally just a few hundred kilobytes in size for a homepage wow. with a huge amount of imagery and it's that for me it's trying to find these solutions without sacrifice and aesthetics so that would literally work for around a year and unfortunately due to other kind of commitments and everything like that it didn't work out yeah, so then yeah. that's when i set up a line because i wanted to start to delve that a little bit deeper you know because digital is now something that we touch on everything in our daily lives like pretty much everybody yeah. has a smartphone nowadays you know we were all searching instagram or social media we're all checking yeah. emails we're all sending slack messages to our boss and, and everything <laughs> like that so especially with remote working you know so it's kind of trying to go a little bit deeper trying to understand processes trying to understand businesses and trying to work with them to create those small changes that have a massive impact mm -hmm. so yeah so i founded a line i think it was february 2021 so literally just over yeah. two years ago yeah and oh yeah in fact happy happy birthday yeah. to align then <laughs> Thank you. but then within the first few months of that i started speaking to the ceo at yard i started talking to Kako steamer Briggs, who is a little bit older than i am has a lot more wisdom than, than i have and he literally said you know i'm at that point now where i want to make a difference i want to try and do something really good i want to try and change our business to make it more sustainable um so I had them as a client for a little while. And then I, I think a few weeks later, he just went, can we acquire you? Mm. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's an interesting conversation that I don't think I'd ever foresee happening, especially only six months after founding a company. But yeah, it <laughs> happened. So in October that year, um, Yard acquired a line to, to form Yard Group. And... I have now got two roles because I obviously still do the day-to-day -day stuff for Align, but then also do a lot of the sustainability stuff for Yard as well. Amazing. I think that's possibly, is that not one of the quickest <laughs> turnarounds? From the quickest, I, I think it might be one of the quickest yeah, acquisitions ever. There, I'm sure. Well, yeah, congratulations on that journey. That's incredible. Thanks. And so how does it work then with a client coming on board? Because I guess it's typical for a client to come along and want a website, a very shiny website, a fantastic website and makes us look amazing. Do your clients come in already with an objective of having sustainability on their agenda? Is it your job to put sustainability on their agenda? How do you deal with those debates? It sounds like you managed to masterfully <laughs> navigate things with that photography website, but how do you yeah. deal with sometimes the compromises that maybe need to be made either 
to sustainability to make the site look great or to the aesthetics and shininess for want of a better word to address the <laughs> I, sustainability i side. think i think a lot of the time especially on marketing focus websites there's a lot of things yeah. that make you make you just go ooh, that looks really pretty but but then it's whether that actually like affects conversion rates it's whether that affects people being able to to visit your website whether it affects performance it's whether it affects accessibility there's a whole myriad of things i do try and look out with that but a lot of the time clients come to me just wanting more information like they want to find out more they're looking to measure a lot of stuff i don't think i've actually the last website i actually built was four yard that's the last website that i built and that launched beginning of last year so literally just after the acquisition and that was yeah so that was the last website that i built after that we focused on pretty much everything else so it's it's looking at emails it's looking at your cloud storage it's looking at you know hosting infrastructure if you're a SaaS provider it's looking at how much data you're collecting it's looking at how it's utilized and if you are utilizing it and if you're not why keep it um and as well as small things like well not maybe not small things but looking at e-waste and procurement policies and procedures and everything like that so that when you're purchasing something it has a lower impact and then making sure that things are properly recycled as well i mean i know that there are laws in in certain states in the u.s where you can't just throw electrical items in the bin but that doesn't happen over here and it needs to yeah so so you do span quite a gamut then of not just like hey we'll compress the images on your homepage, (laughs) but it's about how to think about the design of the site but the infrastructure the site runs on the credentials of those providers who are providing that service the data you're collecting the data you're storing where you're storing it right through to the equipment the team are using and what happens with that when it reaches end of life all of those aspects i mean there's a lot to it as well like you know when we think about when we think about data, data is pretty much everything. Data is not just websites. It's your social media profile. It's every single thing that you've interacted with on the internet. It's also a whole bunch of photos and files and emails and text documents and music that's literally hosted everywhere now. You know, I think we've all been guilty at one point of of having of literally using cloud storage as a, as home of archiving. You know, mm-hmm. where we literally back up our phone to the cloud mm-hmm. and never interact with it again. I think having photos that are like 15 years old still stored on the internet, even though you've probably not ever seen them again. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. You know, there was there was a, a study in 2017 by Carnegie Mellon, from memory, um, that estimated that for every 100 gigabytes of data stored on the cloud, it would emit 200 kilos of CO2. Wow. Now, don't get me wrong. That number's probably a little bit too high, you know, especially when we look at, you know, efficiencies in hardware and software and networks that have changed and the energy grid, which is constantly evolving. So in reality, it's probably a lot lower than that, probably down to about a third. Mm-hmm. But that's still nothing still to do. a third Especially, of that is still a lot. <laughs> when you think it's es- not a hundred gig of data that's stored in a cloud, it's a bigger number than that. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, one of the biggest client, one of the biggest people that we dealt with is Jans. You know, huge global mega insurance and kind yeah. of 
entity, you know, and speaking to their head office about all this. And you're thinking, God, you must be generating terabytes and terabytes of data every single day. And then dealing with somebody like Scottish Enterprise, who are a client of ours at the minute, and, you know, a lot smaller, but still having a huge impact. And literally looking at their cloud storage, and they have... 200 gigabytes of storage you know 200 gigabytes that we used and it's just constantly growing and constantly getting bigger and i'm literally saying yeah just look at it look at your oldest files if you need them online keep them online if you don't delete them mm-hmm. and literally you know because of that they've, they've put in place a policy to restrict file duplications because when you've got a team i think more than six files do just get duplicated because it means that it's a lot easier to work with because you might have different versions for different people and then just all merge them together yeah it's incredible it's also quite interesting though because i guess in some ways uh a lot of those practices though are also just beneficial for the organization to think about even if climate's not the highest thing on their agenda because i guess there's cost benefits associated there's confusion around which files and overwhelming just data having some weight in itself it, which needs file organizing searching through finding the associated costs of that as well aside from climate mean that there's a lot of a lot of arrows pointed towards treat data like it actually has a cost and yeah. or an even greater cost and uh, think about the costs that are harder to see than than just your bill from whatever provider you get at the end of the month that's one of like, the biggest selling points, especially when it comes to cloud storage. You will find information so much quicker, you know, because the way that clients tend to approach is usually some form of internal sustainability champion, whether that is like a CSO or mm. somebody who is a department manager, really cares and, and really wants to change. So we can literally start, well, you know, this is, this is what is going on. This is what you can do then we do helps with audits and measurement and creating these reports and then it's then up to them to start doing the next steps i mean we've got policies in place that we can that we can supply yes for people to protect the first step but it's up to them to adhere to them and and, and actually do Mm. something we can't force them as much as we want to do we can't force (laughs) them to do it but yeah i mean sorry sorry to cut you off there chris you find that you're brought in by the people that want to make change in the organization or how does that engagement start because for some of these larger companies they must have a lot of other things going on, <laughs> not just climate yeah. related, but even on the climate agenda, like huge offices, huge, maybe huge other areas where there's tremendous impact and getting digital on that agenda and that conversation. I'm just intrigued by how they end up talking to you, how that happens from within a big organization like that. I mean, it, t- it tends to happen after I've spoken somewhere or if they've found me somewhere, I don't quite know how. Magic. (laughs) It just magic happens and people know my name, you know. But yeah, it is one of those things. I think digital has become just another take box. You know, I think with more and more people talking about it now, the momentum is growing for change to happen. Um, I'm not quite sure how long that's going to take. I'm not quite sure how long it's going to be before, you know, digital sustainability is an everyday thing. It's yeah. definitely getting there. It's definitely getting there, but it's not quite there yet. So yeah, I think a lot of organization and a lot of organizations see it as a tick to box, you know, yeah, a box to tick. But the, 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 with it, there are other benefits, especially when it comes to, you know, as you said, cost savings. If focus on websites again, which seems to be 
what everybody talks about within digital sustainability. There's the whole performance side of things. So your website loads quicker. Conversion rates can be a little bit higher because of that. It can rank a little bit better in, in search engines. You can tackle accessibility issues by being more sustainable as well because a lot of the practices are for accessibility too. Um, so yeah, and it's and because of that, it massively helps. It also helps with the, this, this idea of of data poverty. You know, I don't live in a city. I live outside a city, so my broadband speeds aren't the greatest. If I literally go less than a mile down the road, that speed drops by half. Yeah, we're still. But the thing is, is that you know we're still under the same council, <laughs> so we still have the same collection days for yeah. even something simple like bins. We yeah. still have the same bus routes. <laughs> trying to find that information online is literally four times quicker for me than it is that person down the road. Yeah. Whereas if the whole website was more sustainable, then it would load quicker for both of us. It's sort of, again, all those arrows pointing towards a better way to do things with maybe a slightly different set of priorities that just has the net benefits are so much greater for so many more people. And honestly, it's, it's so good talking to you about this since we've been working on ecosand and since working on this podcast and talking to people the narrative around digital sustainability and and the part digital can play it feels either we're listening to more people talking about it or genuinely more people are talking about it and i think it feels like the latter and you're seeing more and more things popping up, whether it's businesses trying to do something about it, people writing about it and raising awareness about it, people going into careers trying to do something about it. And some people are people, making... People starting these companies to do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was also going to segue <laughs> into making tools to try to do yeah. something about it. And I think the reason we ended up starting to talk to each other, you've been tinkering and hacking away on a little tool yourself. So... I'm keen for listeners to hear a little bit more about that and to hear about what you've been thinking there, Chris. Uh, yeah, so one of the main tools that we built is this tool called Beacon. Yeah. So digitalbeacon.co. And basically you enter in a web address and it estimates the carbon footprint for a single visit. So whether that is somebody that's visited that page for the first time or whether it's somebody that's come back, it will tell yeah. you the carbon emissions of both. Um yeah. It was important for me to have something like that. You know, there are other tools out there that give you a single number, Website Carbon or EcoGrader being mm -hmm. one of them, or you know, well, being two of them. But as somebody with a technical background, I'd want that little bit more information. Mm -hmm. I'd want to be able to, to take that information and to be able to do something. You know, I'd want to know where that footprint comes from, what's creating it, and how can I lower it? So that was the main focus behind it. I'm working on version two which is going to be like a complete redesign and rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of that, also looking at emails as well, because as I said earlier on, within digital sustainability, websites are the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah. so much more to it. You know, when we consider, I think I send more emails in a day than I visit websites. So I think for <laughs> yeah. me, that could be my biggest impact. Um, yeah. You know, so that's why I wanted to do it. We have all of these email newsletters. I mean, I get probably about two dozen a day. I've tried yeah. unsubscribed to literally as many as I get, <laughs> but there's still some yeah. that come through. So because of that, it's kind of like, I know that's then creating a carbon footprint. I wonder how much it is. There's a book by Mike Berners-Lee called How Bad Are Bananas? I don't know whether yeah. you've read it. 
Um, yes, yeah, I know that's come up on a few episodes of, of this show. <laughs> it's hard to not forget that it's title. It's hard <laughs> to it's hard to avoid that book. It's literally <laughs> everywhere. But even within that, you know, there are estimations for emails. Mm-hmm. I think the previous edition, not the newest one, it came to the conclusion that an average email generates around a gram of CRT. And it's kind of like, that's mad. That's mad. No matter how you look at it, that is insane. (laughs) Especially when you consider how many emails we send. Now, that is an average. So I wanted to find out that a little bit more. I just, (laughs) I like tinkering. I like solving problems. That's what I do. So then I wanted to find out that a little bit more. So one of the things that I have started to build is a version of Beacon for emails. The name is still up for grabs because I don't <laughs> think Beacon for email has a really good ring to it. Yeah, but, you know, I might be an outlier <laughs> but yeah. it's But then he's trying to find out a little bit more. He's trying to find out where those emissions come from, what those emissions are exactly, what can what can we do to reduce it. I've mainly built it so that it can be used with newsletter sending services. So, you know, email sending services like EcoSend, like MailChimp, like Campaign Monitor or whichever email marketing platform that you use. You can literally just send a test email to Beacon for email and it gives you a breakdown (laughs) of the emissions. And it's It's... just trying to, yeah, I still haven't built it, but I need to. No, it's honestly, it's so... Interesting, because obviously this is a topic extremely near and dear to our hearts Mm. and something we're continuing to try and figure out as best we can as well. And I think one of the things we've struggled with along the way has been getting, you know, as a team of engineers and problem solvers ourselves, when you've got someone who's written a book and everyone going off of that number, but it's still, the number almost makes you ask more questions than it answers. What are the levers we can pull to reduce that? And how do we know whether we're doing a good or a bad job? And what should we pay attention to? And what shouldn't we within even just this slim, tiny vertical of like marketing email, for instance, or personal email. And I think it's such a rabbit hole of questions that start being asked and i think one of the challenges we've found is sometimes you want more answers than than the world can give you because there's so much variability <laughs> in things and and i'm i'm intrigued by how you've found that trying to to satisfy that engineering brain of yours to get to something concrete enough that you feel good about i mean it's been an interesting thing it's it's more for me it's finding a way of having some form of benchmark isn't it like yeah. to know where you're going and to know that you're having an impact you need to know where you are right now yeah uh, you know so that's why i like to focus on doing a lot, a lot is so that you can kind of say right at this point in this time on this day i am right here i've created or generated this amount of emissions because of my digital usage mm. over the past x amount I know where I stand. I know what I can do next. Let's do it. Let's see how much of an impact it really creates. You know, in terms of coming to a concrete number, there are some community-driven efforts, um, Mm -hmm. such as those by the Greenway Foundation, who released a JavaScript library called co2.js, which allows you to literally put in a number of bytes and you tell it whether it's hosted on a green infrastructure or not, Mm -hmm. and it gives you a carbon footprint straight away like instantly mm. which is pretty super cool. cool 
Super we'll make cool. sure we link to that as well in the show notes, by the way, because it's um, pretty awesome. People have been working on tools like that. What it can enable, I think, is just fascinating. Yeah, that will be what is used in kind of Beacon 2.0 and Beacon for email as well, so that there is that consistency and there is that consistency and that standardization, because I think that's what's yeah. missing. Yeah, absolutely. Put a lot of these links in the notes because I can sense myself wanting to go and check all these sites out. So hopefully if anyone's listening, (laughs) (laughs) they will also feel that. I feel like we've almost a a time, Chris, but maybe one more question would be, what do you see the future looking like for for your industry? Maybe if you could answer that in like 30 seconds. (laughs) 30 second answer. That's that's a challenge and a half. I'm joking. I know that requires a little (laughs) bit more. Contemplation, but yeah, any any trend lines, anything you see becoming bigger and bigger over the next, I don't know, dare I say years? I feel like things move so quickly. <laughs> I can only see it getting bigger. I can only see more and more people talking about it the same way that they talk about greenwashing, the same way that we talk about just marketing in general, and the way that we talk about climate change. You know, I think digital will always be a part of that now because digital is such an umbrella term that. You know, it's it's massive, it's huge. It creates more emissions than the aviation industry. And it's expected to grow. I think he was even reported on the BBC that in 2020 it was responsible for 3.7% of all global carbon emissions. The aviation industry was two. Expected to grow. We're expected by 2030, it's expected to be 100%. That's just humongous. Where is that coming from? And, you know, there's lots of fringe movements around it that I see as, as helping. When we look at e-waste and reducing that, you know, the right to repair movement, yeah. things like Fairphone, where you can literally just buy parts. Microsoft have released a laptop where you can literally repair it yourself as well. This It's all going to just... It's all just going to happen really, really quickly. It's going to slowly build momentum and then it's just going to explode. Yeah, hopefully so, because... You don't see many people putting their phones away too much and not using the internet so much. The trend lines are only going one way in terms of that consumption. So, you know, I think there's a lot on all of us to be thinking about this as the creators and builders of those products and services going forward. I'm not not sure whether there's going to be any form of education piece, because obviously Mm -hmm. one of the things that I do a lot is education and training whether that's through webinars or hands-on training to teach people how to be more sustainable digitally and i don't know but a lot of that is focused is aimed at organizations it's aimed at businesses it's not aimed at people it's aimed at organizations where you know you might behave one way at work and then Mm. as soon as you get home you behave completely differently and then it's undoing (laughs) all of the work that you've done yeah hopefully there can be more maybe more on the consumption side to address Mm try and alleviate some of the natural growth with people being more conscious and more responsible with their choices. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm definitely going over time here, Chris. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's quite <laughs> but, all right. Don't worry. <laughs> and we haven't even had a song from you yet. No, one of the things we always like to try and do on the podcast though, is leave people with some handy resources or any kind of advice. I know there's a bunch of places you could recommend people check out and maybe just a a few of those would be amazing if you could let us know and we can pop those in the show notes as well. Yeah, I mean, the shameless plug, but the Align website, you know, Align.to is probably, it's a good stand, starting point really because then you'll read some of the thoughts behind it. You know, we've got a bit of a content hub, a bit of a glossary as well to help define okay, some of the yeah. terms. There's also sustainablewebdesign.org, there's Digital Beacon, yeah. there's the Green Web Foundation, there's Branch Magazine. 
if you want to go a little bit deeper, there's climate action tech. Oh, I could just start reeling all of these off. These but are I all think... great. That that <laughs> do very nicely. Maybe normally we maybe get one link, but that Chris, yeah. I'm sure you'll be talking more about this. So yeah, thank you. I feel like that is very nicely wrapping up a wonderfully informative, inspirational, entertaining show, Chris. Thank you so much. Have a thank you for being here. And thank you to anyone listening. Really appreciate you tuning in. Please do make sure you tell others about the podcast if you found it valuable. Hopefully with letting more and more people know about this and Chris mentioning about the importance of more of us being responsible with the decisions we're making in our lives. Um, whether as consumers or as as makers, as creators, as builders of companies. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Look forward to bringing you many more episodes in the future. If you've enjoyed it as well, of course, please let us know via a rating of some sort or a comment on the podcast player of your choice. And we'll catch you next time. So thank you again, Chris, and speak soon. Thank you.